the Torah goes, drops the narration of Rivka and moves, shines the spotlight on Yitzchak. What was Yitzchak doing while Rivka was being brought? So the Pasuk says, So Yitzchak is coming from having come to the Be'er, to the well, where one sees a living, a living angel. Okay, so what does that mean? While Rivka was being brought towards Yitzchak, Yitzchak was coming from the distance. Where was he coming from? From a well. What was he doing by the well? This was the same well where that opened up for Yishmael. It was a miracle, a miracle well that Yishmael got to drink and the uh, Hagar was out there. And the reason why Yitzchak went there, what's Yitzchak doing? That's Hagar, that's Yishmael's well. What's Yitzchak doing there? Because Yitzchak went to bring Hagar back to Avram. So a beautiful thing was going on at that time. Just like Avram sent his servant to find a wife for Yitzchak, means he was, he, was, he was involved in trying to marry Yitzchak off. Yitzchak was concerned for his father because Sarah had passed away and didn't want his father to be without a wife. So Yitzchak went to the well and um, he went to bring Hagar back to marry Avram. And now in that time, Avram remarried Hagar. Her name was, she had a different name. The Torah refers to her by another name as Keturah. And they had another six children, something like that, together. So, uh, so this is happening simultaneously. Now, why Hagar was, why Hagar looks like she was deeply attached to that well. Why? Because that's where she experienced the angels. The Malachim came to her and appeared to her. So she had these great divine moments at that well and a miracle happened to her. So she was, she was there. So Yitzchak went to go get her from that place. So it says, Yitzchak ba, and Yitzchak was coming, mi boy from having come, Be'er, be'er to, the, to the spring, Lechai Roi, where he saw, Roi, where you see, Lechai, Chai means a living being. Who's a living being? A Malach is a living being. So Yitzchak was coming from, the strange thing is, however, the wording is a little strange, because it says, V'Yitzchak Ba, Mi Boi. Could have just said, V'Yitzchak Ba, Mi Be'er Lechai Roi. Yitzchak was coming back from the Be'er, from the spring, Lechai Roi, where you see a living being. What's this Lashen? The Yitzchak ba mi boy from having come lechai roi to this to the be'er lechai roi to the spring where you see the malach. What's this? He's coming from having come. Very strange. The Yitzchak ba mi boy v'tzarich lahavim. We need to understand lachura. Tevas mi boy mi yoser. So the Maimer, by the way, we're learning is in the Sefer Tafresh Samach Gimel, page Samach Vav. Um, it's the from the fifth Chabad Rebbe. There's a lot, a lot of volumes of books, and this one is from the year um, five six sixty three five six six three, which uh, you can do figure out which year that was in the uh, other calendar. My head is uh, sometime in the early 1900s. In any case. So that's when the Mimer was said, okay? And as again, the Rebbe Rashab's birthday today, so we're going to go back. Now, this is a very short discourse because it seems like it's not the full Mimer. It seems like it's just like notes, brief notes. So it doesn't really have the full flesh of a Rebbe Rashab Mimer. It's usually fleshed out much more. Here it's very Bikitzer. And it seems like the, he keeps on referencing 
the fifth Chabad Rebbe, the Rebbe Roshab, keeps on referencing, or he makes more than once, a mimer of his grandfather, the Tzemach Tzedek. And he's, he's, yeah, okay. So he's basing on the mimer of the Tzemach Tzedek. In any case, yeah, this says this week in the parsha. It says that Yitzchak was coming from the Be'er Lachai Roi. So the, the Rebbe Rishab is asking, well, it seems like the word Miboy, that he's coming from to have come, Be'er Lachai Roi, seems extra. So in order to understand this, so it's going to explain that when it says Yitzchak coming, doesn't only refer to the physical Yitzchak appearing. It's talking about the ultimate laughter. Yitzchak means laughter. And laughter, there is going, and we know that we are awaiting, Be'ezus Hashem, any moment, the great laughter, and pleasure and laughter. Laughter is associated with pleasure. The deepest pleasure and the deepest delight, which is going to cause the entire world to laugh. Just like when Yitzchak was born, everybody was laughing, because it was utter disbelief that Avram and Sarah, this old couple, can possibly give birth to a child. So it brought great joy and laughter to the world. The ultimate laughter of Yitzchak is when Mashiach will come. Oz pinu. That's when it's going to be Yitzchak's time. As we learned many times, that oh Mashiach days, we're going to say to Yitzchak, Ki ata avinu, you are our father. That's going to be the Yitzchak era. In the days of Mashiach, it's going to be emphasized Yitzchak more than all the others because he represents this great pleasure and this great laughter of the end of days. So, what is the pasuk saying? The Yitzchak this great laughter that we're going to reach and we're going to achieve is, is related to the way a well comes from the ground. Me boy, the way he's touching it, we're going to see in the end of the mimer. The Yitzchak ba, the great laughter, the tzchoik of the, of the end of days is coming to us, how? Me boy be'er l'chairoi, from the way a well comes to us. And as we're going to see soon, a well comes to us through the dirt. The well, the fresh living waters of a well, we can only drink and enjoy the waters only when it's coming through from the dirt. And he's going to explain how the highest achievement and connection to God comes to the Jewish people when we go through the dirt. And the dirt is the, the exile, and, and he's going to explain it more in Avoda. When a person looks at himself as wallowing in the dirt, meaning a person finds himself to be so unworthy in front of God, Dafka from the midst of that deep unworthiness do we achieve the deepest connection to God. In other words, if we don't have that sense of unworthiness and we feel close to Hashem, we feel very drawn and very, 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 very cuddly to Hashem, more like an Avram kind of a service, feeling Hashem's great light and, and loving Him and the like, we can get close, but we can only get close to Hashem's chitzonias, to Hashem's external, only to Hashem's rays, we can never really touch God's essence. To have a relationship with God's essence can only come only when we're crushed. When we're crushed by, our, by the realization that we are utterly and utterly and utterly insignificant and all that we do in our lives with all the mitzvahs we do and all the Torah study that we do and all the stuff that we do which makes us think that we are who knows who, when we suddenly have a true and honest realization that all that we do can possibly be any significance to an infinite, absolute God, and we suddenly are frustrated. It's like a realization. It's like a, it's like an, a, 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 what do you call it? A, a, not an epiphany, no. It's like, a, it's like a, a, yeah, a light turns on in our mind. It's like when we have this, this sudden, uh, um, uh, you say a person has a moment, 
a moment, a, a eye-opening moment. It's a realization suddenly. You can come any time in a person's life when you realize that everything I've done is so zero and so nothing. And in that total decay and in that total frustration and that total loneliness, that loneliness he's going to explain evokes God's mercy. And when Hashem has, when Hashem, because Hashem has mercy on someone who's very low. And as a result of that mercifulness is where Hashem connects to that person from God's panemius. Not from the Eberster's chitzainis, from the Eberster's panemius. And, and then you can have real delight and real pleasure because you're having a true connection to the Eberster. Okay, that's the idea. So I saw this week there was an argument between Rebbe Lamelach and his holy brother Reb Zusha. And they argued, they both of them had two opinions about what's the approach to serving God? Is the better approach where someone should first analyze his lowliness, how lowly the person is, how nothing and utterly you know, despicable, when a person really starts doing a cheshben anafesh and starts realizing all their faults and all their laziness and all their, and all their inconsistencies and all their deception and lies and how they're so full of make-believe in front of other people and so on and so forth and try and, and when you start really, really, really recognizing how low and how, 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 how despicable one is and then after you look at your own loneliness, you should think about God's greatness. That's for sure. They both agreed that these are the two things that we have to think about. One has to meditate on the Abishter's greatness, and one has to me- meditate on the human's nothingness. The question between Rebbe Lamelech and his brother Reb Zusha was which one comes first? Should one first meditate on his lowliness, and as a result of his lowliness, and then come to an understanding of God's greatness? Or should someone first meditate on Hashem's greatness? and then come to a true appreciation of how lowly and insignificant he is. Which one, which one should he do? And one, one of them said one, and the other said the other. It doesn't say who said which. They decided to ask their Rebbe, the holy Mizritcha Magid. And the Mizritcha Magid said, both these services are valid. Both of them are a derech and avodah. You can start first with meditating on God's greatness, and as a result of that, you realize who the Abishter is, and then you realize how insignificant you are. It's like the famous story of the um, Chassid. There's a person who became a, a, a Chassid, and before that he was a non he was a Masnagat. It was in the days where Chassidim was pretty new. So there were a lot of people that didn't know of Chassidus in the early days, and they were joining ranks. So this was a fellow, he was a very big scholar, he was a very big London, he knew how to learn, he was a, he was a pious individual, he was a good Jew. And then he became a chassid, and actually became one of the, he actually became one of the uh, shadars, one of the um, uh, shluchim that the Alter Rebbe sent. It's interesting, I think he's the, he's the guy who, 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 told, who told his wife that he's going to the Rebbe for whatever, and uh, he forgot to come home for like a few years. <laughs> and they sent for him, and he didn't want to come home, he said, I can't. He said, my life is more important to me. I need to receive life from the Rebbe. I can't just come home. Something like that. There's a story about it. Anyways, so this guy used to say, he said, There's the difference from before, before I became a chassid and after I became a chassid. In both cases, it's not such a big difference, he says. Because in both questions, I had a question and I have an answer. The question was a different question. Before I became a chassid, I had a certain question. And then now that I'm a chassid, I have a different question. And the question is very different, but the answer is the same answer. But it's, a, but it's a different question. Before I became a chassid, my question was, I didn't understand. 
I learned so much Torah. I'm so knowledgeable. I'm so dedicated. And I study Torah so diligently every moment and I have such a deep understanding and appreciation. I give so much respect to God's Torah. It's unbelievable how much I can do other things and yet I choose to, to serve Hashem and learn His Torah. I also am such a kind individual. I help so many people. I pray and I daven with kavana and so on and so forth. I'm really a tzaddik. I'm really a very special person. I wonder how God will ever be able to repay me. For so, how, how is it possible that for someone like me should ever be able to be repaid? That was my question. And what was my answer? My answer was that I knew that God is absolute and He's infinite and He's omnipotent. He can do anything. So my answer was that an infinite, omnipotent God can figure out a way how to give reward even for such a tzaddik like me. I'm sure Hashem can figure it out. That was his, his, his thought. That's before he became a chassid. After he became a chassid and he started learning chassidus, and he started learning what Hashem is and who God is. And then my question is different. How is it that when I daven, and when I learn Torah, when I do a mitzvah, God doesn't take the whole ceiling and throw it on me because it stinks so much from my self-importance in my learning and in my davening. It creates such a stench because I'm so full of myself and I'm hardly able to say even one word with truth, with honesty. Because I realize how, mon- how, much, I'm, how much ulterior motive and how much I'm doing things not for the right reason and, how, and who Hashem really is and who God, and who am I even to stand in front of Him. And I'm wondering, how is it that day after day, the Abishter doesn't take the, book, the bookshelf and throw it upon me? And I wonder, how can he tolerate someone like me? And what's my answer? My answer is that God is an infinite being. And he's omnipotent. And he's so, so great that he can do anything. So he has the ability to even tolerate someone like me. So that's the difference. So what's, what is he saying? Chassidus begins to teach you, what does Chassidus do? Especially the Alter Rebbe's Chassidus. It teaches you greatness of Hashem. Without Chassidus, we have no clue. So when you learn Chassidus, then you realize how low you are. So Reb, the, Reb, the Magid of Mizrich said to Rebbe Namelach and said to Rebbe Zusha, both these ways of serving God, one of them, through appreciating how low you are, and then as a result of that, starting to appreciate how great God is. Or the opposite, like the story I just told. By recognizing how great the Abishter is, you start realizing how insignificant and nothing we are. Both are true. Yet the Magid said, but the greater way is when you start with the lowliness of oneself. Then it's greater. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he, I think he said it's a Pasuk, whatever. That it's greater when you start that way. So... Apipashtis, what's the reason? In both cases, you're, you're thinking both of the Abishta's greatness and your lowliness. So why is it greater? This mimer explains why it's greater. What the Magid is saying, why it's greater. Okay, so let's read inside. Because an appreciation of Hashem that comes without this bittel and without the total mortification of one's own self, total disintegration, is, is, is a type, is a connection that you're establishing with God. You're coming close. And whenever you're coming close, not because God is having mercy on you, but it's you're coming close, you can only come close to God's external of external of external. You're not really coming close. The only way to really come close to the Abishter is if the Abishter pulls you in. And when does God pull you in? When He has mercy on you. And when does God have mercy on you? When you recognize how lowly you are, then God has mercy on you. 
When a person recognizes nothingness, then they have, have mercy on him. Then you, then you take a come close to Hashem. That's L'Chur, the explanation in what the, what the Magid was saying, that Soif Kol Soif, the superior way, is to come to Hashem in the Yitzchak mode, even greater than coming to Hashem in an Avram mode. Okay, so now let's see inside. The word Meboi seems to be extra, in a Yitzchak, so he says like this, Yitzchak, what does Yitzchak mean? Yitzchak is called Yitzchak because of the great laughter. God made for me a laughter. There's a great tzchoik, there is a laughter in a tzchoik ge'elian. That's why in the future, we're going to say to Yitzchak, you are our father. We're going to say to Why? The ikarat tzchoik yilasad lavi. The main since he's saying like this, since Yitzchak means laughter. That's why we're going to say to Yitzchak Dafka when Mashiach comes, you're our father. Why? Because what's going to be the predominant experience after Mashiach comes in Golos? The predominant experience that we have during the time of Golos is pain and misery and suffering. What's going to change when Mashiach comes? Laughter, pleasure, and delight. That's what's going to become the norm. The whole world, you walk on the street, you'll hear laughter and singing and joy and happiness. And we're going to be, we, we have gone through already all the darkness and now it's the time to appreciate the light. And that's going to bring great laughter. And therefore it's Yitzchak that we're going to relate to the most because Yitzchak means laughter. The Ikra Tzchak, Asad Lovit. Kamaimer Razal Apasuk, Yismach Hashem B'maysav, Chazal say that the Abishta never had Simcha in his deeds yet. Hashem never saw a world that gave him Machas yet. Only Yismach Hashem, where after Mashiach comes, then God will delight in his world. That means that the world has not reached its, but then the Abishta will delight. There will be laughter in the world. What kind of delight? In a very deep, essential kind of pleasure that God is going to have. And this is Yitzchak Shulash. Which Yitzchak means laughter and pleasure. Omnam, however, we need to understand, Tzadok love, we need to understand, Halo Yitzchak, Ubchenes Gevurois. How does it make sense that Yitzchak is the source of laughter? When you, when, you, when you came to visit Yitzchak, you took one look and you went running for your life. Yitzchak was, 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 uh, was, was terrifying, because Yitzchak was, served the Abishter with might and with fear. And Yitzchak was dreadful. So, and, and, and the Indian of Yitzchak means, let's go a little deeper, Yitzchak also spiritually means not only that in the, in, in, when the Eibushter when God is acting to us in a Yitzchak man what's it between Avram and Yitzchak Avram is Chesed Yitzchak is Gevura so when God extends to us his Chesed it means that Hashem is opening himself up and saying come close when Hashem is extending his left hand his Gevura what does that mean God is pushing us to back which means Hashem is Hashem is contracting himself he's hiding what's Gevura Gvur is a lack of revelation. You're feeling like you're in the dark. Hashem, it's like Hashem closed the door on you and you're, you're feeling cold. You're outside. God is not allowing you in like sometimes we feel. Sometimes we feel we try to daven and we learn and we feel suddenly such a, that Hashem's light is shining upon us. And sometimes we feel that we're trying to reach close and the Abish is not showing us his face. We feel a little bit of a cold shoulder. Yitzchak is this gvura, which is the opposite of revelation. If so, how can that lead, how can that lead to laughter? How does that lead to joy? That should be the opposite. That, reach, that, reaches, that, that, that leads us to be frustrated. That leads us to be pained. That's his question. So, Yitzchak is Gevura. Yitzchak is Gevura. It's the opposite of revelation. 
What kind of pleasure can you have from Yitzchak? And not some pleasure, but an essential pleasure. We say, you're our father. And he's emphasizing the idea of father. Father meaning, father is essence. The relationship between a parent and a child is, the relationship between a parent and a child is a relationship of essence. You're our father. You're our essence. And, and it's laughter. So we're talking about, and Yitzhak means laughter and delight. So we're talking about a, so we're talking about a spiritual, a, 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 a essential delight and an essential laughter. And it's coming dafka from Hashem hiding His face from us. Doesn't make any sense. So in order to understand this, uh, we need a first preface, Masha Kosov, there is a concept in which we learned so many times that the whole system and dynamics of the way the creation relates to God is all in a level, in a manner of Ratzai Veshuv. Ratzai means we race forward to try to connect, and Shuv means we retract. Racing and crap. Everything in the world is, is, is reaching for Hashem and then pulling back. Reaching. Now, just like it is in the creations, the creations reach for God and then they pull back. So too is in the godly energy that's descending when Hashem is emanating a life force into the creation. That life force is constantly tick-tock, tick-tock, which means the energy of Hashem flows into the creation. That's called shuv. It's returning to, ins- to enliven the creations and the beings, and then the energy retracts and wants to get reabsorbed in its source. It's, it's, it's pulled back to its source. It's called Ratzai, is when it's going inward, and, and, and Shuv, it's when it's returning, when it's being, when the energy is flowing back into the creation, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's like the heartbeat of creation. So, it's referring to the godly energy, that's enlivening the world. It's in a constant state of Ratzai, racing, Shuv, and returning. It's like the heartbeat. Just like when a, why does the heart beat? Same thing. The blood is being pumped and diffused into all the limbs through the circulation. When the heart pumps, when the heart is pumping, so the heart is, 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 is diffusing the blood, the blood, it's pumping it out into the limbs. Then when the heart, and then the heart, and then, and then the other contraction is when the, is when the blood is going back up into the heart, back and forth, back and forth, pumping and receiving, pumping and receiving. The circulation is coming in and it's going out, coming in and coming out. So what does that represent? The life of the person is now being projected into the body and the energy, and that energy, that life force is going back to its source, back, forth, thump, thump. So, so it is also in the cosmos. Hashem's energy is flowing into the world and back. Uh, as explained in that Mimer, uh, and also, Okay. And also, um, So just like it is, the first thing it's all, the first thing he explained, it's all the, all the creations. The creations are all the malachim. They race towards Hashem. They pull back. They race towards Hashem. But the same is also the godly energy. Ratzayu atchuka. 
Ratzai is the chukka, the longing, where the energy that is the life force of creation is yearning to go out of the creation, which means to come out of its limitations and its constrictions and its boundaries. Because we understand that God is infinite. The creation is finite. So when Hashem is taking of His, of his energy that was once infinite and, and projecting it and, and, and implanting it into creation, then that means that that energy is now becoming limited by going into the creation. So the energy now wants to go back. Lekol b'sharshoy, b'pchinas malchus. And in, in, um, in the Indian, intim, either it means to be reabsorbed in malchus, that the energy is going back. But usually, it's, you can learn this two ways. As I told you, the mimer over here is very cryptic. It's, it's, it's a very short, it says in the top, it's only a Rishumi Dvarim. You can read it, that, that the energy that's coming down into Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, into the three lower worlds, the energy of God, the words that Hashem spoke to create the world, these words want to go back into their source, into Malchus. Malchus is their source. That's one way. Or you can learn that Malchus itself is yearning, which Malchus is the energy of Hashem diffused into the creation, Malchus herself is yearning to exit the creation and go closer to its source. Okay, and, and the reason why I think that's the meaning because it says, Laman yizar mercha chavoid. That chavoid should sing to you. It's a Pasuk, the Zohar says, on the Pasuk, Laman yizar mercha chavoid, we say it every day in Mizmar Shir Chanukah Sabayis, that yizar mercha chavoid is the song that Malchus is constantly singing. The Shechina, the Holy Shechina is singing to God. That's her yearning. The Shechina yearns because the Shechina is the mother of creation and therefore she's finite. But in essence, she's infinite. So she, she wants to leave the confinements of the physical or even of the, even the spiritual worlds. She wants to leave the confinement of worlds and reunite with her source. The Esses Sphirois, now he says, this Indian, that there is a Ratzai Veshuv, there's a constant yearning of the energy flow to go back into its source. The es, it's, it's on many levels. Malchus is in a constant state of yearning. The Esser Sphirois, all ten Sphirois, Nimshalim b'Seifi Yetzira in Seifi Yetzira all the Esser Sviros in the Book of Formation are compared l'Shalheves Hakshura Bigacheles like a flame that's tied to a coal. If you take a look at a flame on a coal, you see that the flame is flickering. That means, or when you watch coals, sometimes you see the fire comes out of the coal, and then you see if you blow on it, but not the fire goes back into the coal. It hides. And then you, you, you like make a wind and the fire comes out. So the same is also the Esser Sphirois, the Ten Sphirois. What are Ten Sphirois? Ten Sphirois are ten uh, forces of energy, of divine energy, that are showing themselves to the creation. They're being, that's the way God is revealing Himself to the creation. So it's like a fire coming out of a coal. But naturally, what does the fire want to do? Go back and it wants to hide in the coal. What does it mean? All the ten spheroids are in a constant state where they want to <coughs> go back into, into an unknown state. Chachma doesn't want to be Chachma. Bina doesn't want to be Bina. All the spheroids want to go back into their Shorish. Uksivin, it says in a Pasuk, Ki avaya eloikecha eish God, your God, is a, is a consuming fire. So you see, the Abishter is compared to a fire. That's the nature of fire. It's, 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 it wants to leave the thing, 
I gave a mashallah of fire in a coal, but there's also the general idea of a fire. A fire constantly wants to go away from that which it's burning on. If not for something holding it down, the fire would disappear. So you see, the nature of fire is not to want to be revealed. What is this all going to teach you? Where is this going? What, where the Rebbe is going with this, he wants to explain us that the life for God, as we know Hashem, we know Hashem through the spheroids, through all this that Hashem is giving us, we know Him only through these projections. And the Rebbe is going to explain how the projections are nothing. And that's the reason why the projections are so uncomfortable in being projections. Because they know that when they project themselves as projections, they are, they are, they are lower, they are, they're becoming, they're becoming, they are, they are lowering, they're being lowered from being connected to what's real and true, and that's God in His unknown state. And they are, and they are defining themselves, and when they're becoming defined, they're becoming nothing. So they are losing their true substance of real true beingness, absorbed in God, and stepping out of God to become something. And, fr- and they don't want that. So they keep on running out. Unless they're forced, they don't want it. So they're a constant state of going back. So why is he, taking, why is he saying this? Because he wants to explain to us that let's say even a person who, who, who's a very godly person and he perceives the Shekhinah. Let's say you perceive the Shekhinah. Okay, but what's the Shekhinah? Shekhinah is only the most little, tiny fraction of, a, of an expression of godliness to the world. The Shekhinah herself is frustrated being the Shekhinah. She doesn't want to. She wants to go back into her source. Deeper than that, what happens if someone is going to perceive the oira the key of the ten spheroids, much higher than Shekhinah, even HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Well, that too is uncomfortable being where they are, being HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It too wants to go back into its source. And he's going to explain it now even on a higher level. Even the Or Ein Sof, the infinite light that's before the Tzimtzum, before the first contraction, the infinite light, Kaval! Even that is uncomfortable being infinite light. Because he's going to explain light is only light. And light is not essence. And if light is not essence, it realizes it's nothing. So therefore, even if we are to perceive the highest, highest, highest lights, because God is revealing Himself to us, every revelation is nothing. Revelation is nothing. Unless God is giving us His essence, not revelation. He's giving us, He's transmitting His very self to us. Ooh, that cannot come unless we are heartbroken. That's what He's going to explain. Unless we evoke mercy, that channel only comes through mercy. So I sense the difference, what he's, the difference what he's, the Reb is really explaining is the difference between Avram and Yaakov. He's, the, he's explaining the difference between Emes and Teferis. Between, I'm sorry, the difference between Chesed and Teferis. He's explained the difference between Chesed and Rachamim. When you're being, is it, is it, and we can understand that. You know, I'm going to make it very, very brief. What's the difference between a kind person and a compassionate person? Kindness is, the, is wonderful, you know. The person can write you a very beautiful check because they're kind. person can, you know, really send you and give you a lot of goods. But when they're being kind, they're not giving you themselves. They're giving you something they possess. They're giving you money, they might even give you wisdom, they might give you dinner, they give you something they have, because they're kind, they love giving, they give. In empathy, what's, what's compassion? Compassion is empathy. In empathy, they might not give you so much, they might give you little. But they're giving you their, their ear, their heart, 
their, their being. When you're, when you're feeling empathetic to someone, you are completely moved from your very, from yourself, and you're there for them. And that's what the Rebbe is going to explain over here. All chesed coming from God is only rays. And how does he prove that it's only rays? From the fact that the energy that's in creation, which creation was not created through rachamim. Creation was created through chesed. Olam chesed yiban. And because the creation comes from chesed, chesed is only, a, it's, it's an external revelation. Always. Chesed will always be an external revelation. And because it's an external revelation, it's nothing. And because it's nothing, even that which Hashem, the chesed light that Hashem emanated, is in a constant state of ratzai. Why is it in a state of ratzai? Because it doesn't have any true substance of God. And it therefore it feels its nothingness and it wants to go back. Because it is nothing. Only when there is compassion, then you're getting something. And compassion will always come only through Yitzchak. It won't come through Avram. Because Yitzchak, when is there compassion? When the king gives you a cold shoulder and he doesn't give you kindness, then you suddenly feel, you feel so lowly with yourself because you feel that the king doesn't want to look at you. So then you start feeling how, then you start looking at yourself in the mirror and start saying, why doesn't the king want to look at me? It's probably because I'm worthless. And once the more and more you're thinking about how worthless you are, till you become so, so heartbroken. So, 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 so. One time Rebbe, Rebbe Zusha, Came to Rebbe Lemelech of Lazensk. Ach, two brothers, wow. So Rebbe Lemelech was a big Rebbe. Rebbe Zusha also had his courtyard. He was a tzaddik. He was, much, he was older than Rebbe Lemelech. Rebbe Zusha. Tzaddik, like beyond anything. Once Rebbe Zusha came for Shabbos to Rebbe Lemelech, and he, before Shabbos he already notified his brother, I must speak to you privately. But I don't want anybody to be in the room. I must speak to you privately. Okay. <laughs> Someone heard Reb Zusha telling Reb Lamelech that he wants to speak to him privately. And this person was a great tzaddik on his own right, decided to hide in the room. He decided to eavesdrop on what's going to be the private conversation that Reb Zusha needs to have with him. Because he saw that when Reb Zusha came to tell Reb Lamelech that he needs to speak to him privately, that it was like something that he was like desperate. He felt like it was Negeya Benefesh. So then he, the, the moment came where Reb Zusha came into Reb Lamelech. Reb Lamelech closed the door and Reb Zusha and Reb Lamelech sat down. And Abzusha said, Melach, Melach, a svaskeit zayin, what's going to be like with a sinner like me? He threw himself onto the floor and he burst out weeping uncontrollably. That's all he needed to talk privately to. He could not find a place in himself to even, st- to, he couldn't come to himself from just pain and misery of what kind of horrible sinner he is. Talking about Rabbi Zusha Alanapali. Why? Because when someone has fear of, someone understands and appreciates Abish there, what God is, then you realize that with everything you've done and everything, everything is out garnished, mid garnished. That is Ma'ira Rachamim. And when there's the Abish is Ma'ira Rachamim, then God is going to give you a true piece of Himself. That's the whole Nakud of today's Maimon. But the Rebbe is going to first can explain it to us in a real Chabad way. Which means he's going to explain us this idea how all initial revelation is nothing. So please bear with me because it gets a little philosophical, but it's all the same. It's this idea, this Nakuda, on many levels. Okay? as he says, I'll show you or also on the root and the source of light. Isa it says in Sefi Yitzira, 
v'dabru bahem, u'dvarei bahem, and his word is in them, b'ratzei v'shuv. So that his word is in him, it says in Seif Yitzir, I mean, I his word is in them, in, in a state. The word that's in the, in the whatever, in the emanations, whatever, is in a state of Ratzai Veshuv. But the Rebbe says that over here, the word of God is not referring to Malchus. We're talking not about in Sefi Yetzir when it says, it's not referring to Malchus, the Shekhinah that enlivens the creation. We're talking about a far more primordial level, a much higher, deeper, inner level, way, way, way earlier, earlier. We're talking about what's called Malchus of Ein Sof. The, 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 also a level of Malchus, but not Malchus of the individual world of Atzilus. Malchus of the Ein Sof, which is the Oire Ein Sof. That's Bahem, that's, that's inside all Seder Ishtal And we're saying that even that Oire is in a state of Ratzai Veshuv. And that mimer he explains it. So we need to understand. Why is everybody so uncomfortable? Why is even Malchus of Ain Sof in a constant state of, 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 of tension where it doesn't want to, it's not settled, it always wants to go back to its source? Why can't it just be comfortable with being who it is? It's Malchus the Ein Sof. It's an expression of the Ein Sof. So to understand this, we first have to preface, Inyan Oyer Ein Sof. Why when we refer to the Oyer, any level of Oyer, we say even the Oyer Ein Sof, where we call it the Oyer Ein Sof. Everybody's very familiar, especially in this class, referring to the God's infinite light, we refer to it as the light that has no end. And we can understand, because God's light is infinite. Once it starts already manifesting in the various different attributes, it has an end, because it has already definition. But the or, the initial light of Hashem is Ein Sof. But the Rebbe asks, why are we calling it Ein Sof? Why don't we call it Ein Tchila? It should be called Or Ein Tchila, an or that doesn't have a beginning. Because he says, the, the main novelty is not that it doesn't have an end. He says there are many things that don't have an end, even if they're creations, they don't have an end. God created certain things to exist eternally. Hashem created certain things, and those things will exist eternally. Hashem created Malachim to exist eternally. So they're also Ein Lohem Sof, they don't have an end. They go on and on and on. Human beings die. Angels, they don't die. Some angels do die, other angels don't die. They live forever. So they don't need to have a Sof. If, we, if we're trying, why are we saying or Ein Sof? We're trying to speak of the greatness of the light. So why are you calling it Ein Sof? What's the greatness? Oh, but if you say it doesn't have a beginning, that's only God doesn't have a beginning. So Lachura, we're talking about the or Ein Sof, we should say it doesn't have a beginning because it's, it's talking about Hashem. Hashem doesn't have a beginning. That's great. Only God doesn't have a beginning because He always was. And other things came into being some things, even when they came into being, they came into being to last forever. So by th- when you're saying about Hashem that He's Orein Sof, about the Or, that it's Orein Sof, you're not distinguishing Him from other things. You're not, you want to distinguish and speak about something great about God and say that He's Ein Sof, but you're not really doing that because there are other things that are Ein Sof and they're creations. So why would we do that? That's his question. Why don't we say He doesn't have a beginning? It's a higher, it's a greater quality. Why? The whole kadmon nitzchi, everything that always was. Kadmon means something that 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 
that Kedem, Kedem means before. Anything that always was, Nitzchi will always be. Something that always, always was, will always be. Because if it always was, it means it's absolute, and something that's absolute cannot be destroyed. It has to be. V'loi kol nitzchi kadmai, but not every eternal being has to be kadmon, has to be prim, has to be always was. What's the, what's the right word for kadmon? Not every eternal being has to be kadmon. What would you use for kadmon? Primordial, I'm thinking. Okay. Not everything that's eternal has to be primordial, meaning has to always have been. So basically what he's saying, if you're going to compliment God as being kadmon, what does a kadmon mean? He always was, then you're automatically also complimenting him that he will always be. That's nitzchi. But if you're saying that he's just nitzchi, you're not really compliment. then you're only saying that he's nitzchi and not, and not kadmon, and kadmon is greater than nitzchi, as he's saying. You have many things that are beings, they're going to be forever, because God created them. God started them. Let's say he started them on a Tuesday. But once God created them, they will, they, will, they, will, they will exist for a trillion Tuesdays and then another trillion behind, beyond that as well. Because so Hashem wants. And even down here below, now I don't even have to go up to heavenly beings to speak about things that are eternal. Even, even the hosts below in this world, kayam and bimin. Species, for example, the species exists forever. Generally, there are some species that became extinct, but generally, the general species that there are in the world, they go on and on. Even though the individual creature died, the individual monkey died, but monkeys will generate and have monkeys and monkeys. This can go on forever. If God chooses to keep the world forever, there will always be monkeys. Go on and on and on and on and on. Why not? The Yashloim, we can even say, if not for the sin of the tree of knowledge, even the human being wouldn't only be a species that lives forever, he would actually live forever. Like it was supposed to be. So human beings would have also not just been a species that lives forever, but even in Be'ish, even each individual person would live forever. And this that it says... That God is afraid that if Adam will eat from the tree of life, he will live forever. It seems to imply that Hashem doesn't want the human being to live forever. Ah, that's not really what, what it was supposed to be. That's because he sinned. Because he sinned, God doesn't want him to live forever. But, but had he not sinned, he would have wanted him to live forever. After the sin, after the sin, then God did not want um, Adam to live forever. And the reason why we spoke about this many times, because if Adam, once Adam ingested evil, one, once Adam took the bacteria into him, if Adam would live forever, then the bacteria would also live forever. And God does not want that this bacteria to go on forever. So God tells man, first get rid of the bacteria. And once you're rid you're totally clean. Once you've gotten rid of the virus, now you can live forever. Um, so after Mashiach comes, I'm sorry. Before sin, he would have lived forever. So you see, even human beings live forever. So even a human being is ain't low sof. Technically, the human being has a sof, 
But, 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 but the way God wanted it, even a human being was supposed to have, be Ein Lo Sof. So why are we calling God Ein Lo Sof as if this is only God's quality that he, li- that he doesn't have an end? Human beings also don't have an end. So if, if Hashem would have wanted it, and that was initially the plan for a human, Utzva Hashemayim, and the hosts of heaven like Malachim, Kayama Be'ish, or even not even, not even Malachim, even the heavenly hosts, even the heavenly um, beings that we see in the sky also live forever. Stars can be forever, and the sun and the moon and so forth. Even though they're creations, they're absolutely not kadmon. What does kadmon mean? They're not forever. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't here forever. God created them, and yet they're living forever. Even though they're creations that came into being. But every kadmon, if every, there's no such a thing as, as an entity that always was and suddenly it, it disappears. It, doesn't, it cannot be. So, therefore, so it would have been a far more complementary. Wouldn't it be far more complementary when we're speaking about Hashem's infinite light? That we should say, Why do we call it the or ain't sof? Why don't we call it the or ain't tehillah? That it had no beginning. And the answer is, we can't say on the or ain't sof that it doesn't have a tehillah. Because he has the main idea that we're talking about tonight. Or is chesed. That's what or is. And chesed is only a ray. And a ray has a tachila, has a beginning. When, when the ray left its source, that's the beginning of the ray. That's why it's called, it does have a tachila. Can't say in it, because it doesn't have, why? Because it's only a ray and it doesn't have any of the substance. He's going to explain there's a difference between oir and shefa. Shefa, oir is light. Let me explain something. Oir is light. Right? Everybody with me? It's okay. My wife is teaching. Oir is, oir is light. Oir is light, and shefa is 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 influence. The difference between light and influence, even though both light and influence are both influence, is that when we use the term light, we mean dafka or radiance. And he's going to explain that whenever a radiance comes, radiance doesn't have any true substance of the radiator. It's just like a reflection. There's no real substance of it. It's like you're looking in the mirror, it's a reflection of you in the mirror. There's no substance of you in it. But um, uh, uh, what's it called again? Uh, Shefa is when you're actually giving a piece of yourself. You're involved in what you're giving to the point that you're giving of yourself. So he's explaining the orange self that was shining of God is only a reflection. And if it's a reflection, it doesn't have any of the DNA of God himself. It only has, it's a ray. Therefore, you can't call it Ein Loit because it has a Tchila. It once wasn't. When it emanated, it emanated. And it's not emanating the essence. If it's emanating the essence, then in the oil there is the essence. And since the essence doesn't have a beginning, always was, the oil also doesn't have a beginning, and it always was. But since oil doesn't have anything of the substance of the essence, it's only a ray. Therefore, it's what? It, you can't say on it, ain't loy tequila. It absolutely has a tequila. It has a beginning. Since it has a beginning, the only thing you can say about it is that it ain't no safe. 
it doesn't have an end. Once it emanates, it emanates without an end. It will go on and on and on and on and on. It can never stop. It's forever and ever that light. Because it's a light, a reflection of God. But it's only a reflection of God. It's not the essence. And based on that, the Rebbe is going to explain that as long as you're connecting to God on the level of oyer, you're touching only the chitzonius. You're not touching what's real. In order to get to what's real, you have to get to shefa, not oyer. But shefa will only come when God has mercy on you, then he'll give you shefa. Without mercy, there's no shefa. Shefa will only come as a result of compassion. And when does God have compassion? When you realize, why does he have compassion on you? When you realize that you're just a product of his oyer. When a person realizes that he's only a product of his oyer, of God's oyer, which oyer is nothing, then he, feels, he realizes that everything he does is nothing. My entire scope of my existence is nothing. Therefore, I feel like I'm, I'm living in nothingness. Who am I? What am I doing? What am I accomplishing? What, what have I given to Hashem? Nothing. And when he finally dawns upon a person, he feels deeply how nothing he is, then he weeps and he cries from his nothingness. Then God has mercy upon him, and God extends Shefa, and Shefa is real. Then he's giving you, he's giving you of his true self, that's Taka Einloi Tchila, that doesn't have a beginning. Because it's real, it's the true substance. It's the true substance of Elokus. It's the true substance of the Eberster himself. So that's the difference. The Yuvim Bahagdam Ahafrish will understand it by first understanding the difference between oil and shefa. Between oil and shefa. In a shefa, who dover ma. Shefa is something. Hanishpa v'nimshach. Kamoi, shifas mayim. You see? If I. If, 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 if you ask me, Rabbi, can I have some water? And I take this cup and I, this bottle and I pour into your cup, I'm giving you shefa. I'm not giving you oil. Because I'm giving you of the substance of what was here. That's in physical. But if I'm shining light, if I have a fire and you're just coming close by and you're getting warm, imagine if I have a fire and, I, and you say, can I have some warmth? Say, come close to the fire. And I'm allowing you to be next to the fire, but you're not taking any of the substance of the fire just because you're taking the warm, warmth. Warmth is not the substance of the fire. The same is also in spiritual things. When you throw something, you're giving shefa. When I throw something, especially if you're, giving, if you're throwing something strong, you're, you're, you're giving of your koach, of the substance of your koyach. That's why you throw something a few times, you get, your hand gets tired, you get weak, you can, your hand has to replenish its koach because you've taken from the real substance of your koach and you're given it. Divra Maschel, like we find in the Divra Maschel, Lahavin Inyan Oyrin Soif, Besoif Lahavin Inyan Zivug Aneshamas Beganet, the idea of Zivug of Neshamas, so there he talks about this. It's like the marshal from Tnuah. That idea of Shefa, you're actually giving a little bit of the Koach. Even though Shefa is also a Ara, it's a ray. In that ray, you're giving Meguf Ha It's taking of the substance of this Koach that's carrying the stone. That's why the person is occupied. He can't walk. What does he mean? 
Usually, if I'm throwing something, how do you can how can you tell if a mashpia, if an if a source is giving of his of his substance or he's giving only of a reflection? In, in, in both cases, he's emanating something. He's he's imparting energy. But what's the difference if he's imparting a substance or imparting? The answer is if he's preoccupied while he's doing it. If while he's doing it, he's, he, he's, he has to be focused on what he's doing, that means he's giving substance. If while he's doing it, he can be doing something else completely, he's not focused, he's totally free, is a sign that all you're getting is an external thing, not, not the substance. So he says when you throw something, when a person throws, especially if you throw something strong, you stop walking. And then you throw it. Why? Because it, it occupies you. An act of omitting, when you're taking your substance of a koach and you're admitting, it's very hard to, to oh, unless you're a baseball player and you, and you practice all your life, you can pick up a ball running and throw it while you're running. But even then you slow down. You'll see, you know, when you look or watch a game. So the guy's like running, picks up the ball and slow, you can't run with all your might and throw it all your might. Why? Because you have to like kind of concentrate yourself in that in that throw, because you're giving substance. Um, and there's a difference at the time when you're throwing, and afterwards when you're calming down, oh, you calm down after you threw something. So that's an example of throwing. The same is also a teacher and a student. When a teacher is teaching a concept, it's also considered substance. The fact that the teacher is now occupied in teaching, and they can't do something else at that time. They're occupied in teaching. You know, sometimes you have speakers that have gotten so used to giving the same speech, they go around the world like a thousand times and give the same speech. In every community, they tell their story, they do the thing. Sometimes it's possible that they go ahead and they're talking, and, but they're so used to giving the speech that they suddenly their mind turned away completely and they're thinking about their family, about their children, about something they have to do. But meanwhile, their mouth is going and they're still rumbling, they're still saying the story. <laughs> so obviously, if you're sensitive, you can tell when someone is there or when they're not there and they're just, <laughs> they're just saying words. But it's possible, in a sense, that someone should just like kind of, that's called ha'ara, that's a ray. They're not mutra, they're not. But if they're giving you of their, right? So when, a, when a person is teaching, Generally, they can't be, they're not free at that time to think or do something else because they're occupied. Because they're giving substance. They're giving shefa. That's what shefa is. And another thing that has to happen when you're giving shefa, when you're giving shefa, you're intending the recipient. When you're giving oil, you're not intending. The difference is like this. When a mo'or is being me'ir, Oyer, what does that mean? When a luminary is illuminating light, it's not concerned with anybody receiving it. I'm a luminary. This is who I am. I'm a sun. And because I'm a sun, I'm a luminous entity, light rays go out. I couldn't care less if there's, you know, a planet, who knows where that's receiving my light or not. The sun doesn't calculate who is going to receive its light today, even if the sun has a brain. Is, you know, which planet is going to receive, how much light is reaching planet Earth and how much is reaching Jupiter or whatever. It's not. Because it's not, it's not being a mashpia. The sun is being a mo'or. And that's the difference between a mo'or and a mashpia. 
a mashpia is thinking that I want to give something to you. And therefore he has to, he has to estimate how much he wants to give you because he's concerned in you receiving it. A mo'ar is not concerned with anything. Because it is whatever it is, it, it's almost like leaking. It's leaking light everywhere. It can't, it's not concerned with the leak. Whatever happens, has happened. And that's all, so what's the indication? It's all showing how it's a very external thing. It doesn't care about it. It's external. It's, it's not, it's not. The klayas yoyetzis means your kidneys, in Kabbalah the kidneys are that, that element that gives counsel to decide how much to give and how much not to give. You know, exactly how to acclimate the teaching. That it should be received by the recipient. And he's also mugder in the hashpa. What exactly this adds? I'm not exactly sure what the mugder bahashpa means. How is that different than what he said earlier that he is mutridimus asik? He's occupied. Mugder in the hashpa. I'm not exactly sure how that's different than the occupation. But in any case, that's because the guf, the substance of the seichel, is being given in this ashpazul. And every enclosement of a cause and effect, that's the way one is operating with the other. When one is being mislabish, it's that he's, he's involving himself into the next level. Avil oyer, but light is not that way. Hu'a'ara is a ray, she'ein bo'i maha etzem. It doesn't have anything of the essence. Ukamoy oyer v'ziv ha'shemesh. And the example is that like the light and the shine of the sun. She'ein ha'shemesh tzorich l'sasik ba'agiloy legalis or The sun is not occupied in I'm now being a sun and I'm now shining, shining light. Ukamoy, another example. Even toiv. A beautiful diamond, hameyer, that's sparkling. The diamond is not busy sparkling light. It just sparkles. That's it's, that's it's, that's what it is. It it, it it creates a brilliance. It's a reflection, but it's that's. And even this that he's it's affecting. He's not involved in the effect. It's it's also not through um, his his involvement. I mean, even its impact on something else is without, I don't know what he means, even. Again, over here too, you need to understand. It's like fire. When you put, when you put, um, when you put metals next to a fire, what happens in a, in a hot, 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 uh, whatever, kiln or whatever it is? It melts. But it, it's, because there's heat, it melts. It's not like the fire is usek, is involved in imparting the heat to heat up and to melt the metal. The gamena mugder, and therefore the fire is not mugder in this definition that it is a that is that it is a that it is a metal melter. Fire is not a metal melter. Fire is hot. It's fire. One of the things that come from fire is its heat, and its heat will melt the metal. But it doesn't define the source uh, by the light, by, by its effect that it's affecting. Now the same is also, now when we talk about, let's talk about the soul and the body. When the soul gives, gives energy to the body, what kind of relationship is it? 
is the soul occupied in enlivening the body? Or is, a, or is the, the light of the neshama emanating automatically from the neshama? Because the neshama is a living entity, when the neshama comes close to the body, Hashem sends the neshama down, the neshama comes close to the body, automatically the body comes alive. Or is the soul occupied in giving life to the body? Now, there are certain aspects of the soul that are occupied in the body. The kochos anefesh are occupied. But the essential idea that the body is alive doesn't come through occupation. The soul is a living being. And when the soul, and when the, and when the soul, come, I don't know how God connects a soul to a body, but when the soul gets connected to a body, automatically the body gets alive. It's oyer, it's not shefa. It's only a ray. The nefesh, the soul, is not occupied. The soul, the, the nefesh, Put it this way, the nefesh is, the soul is not, is not being um, occupied in, in this body. It's a whole question in Hasidus, if that's the case, how come, why can't one soul, however, um, there's a question that's asked in Hasidus, why can't one neshama enliven a few bodies at the same time? If it's occupied, I understand, it can only occupy itself in one body. But if it's not an occupation, if it's like just putting... It's like just melting where, 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 where heat, where, 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 um, where uh, metals melt next to a fire. I can put 10 metals next to one fire and they'll all melt. So Luchura should be able to put many people next to one soul. And the one soul will, will warm all these bodies in a sense and give them all life. It's in Hasidus, the question is asked, he doesn't ask it over here. And there's an answer given. But really, in truth, it should be able to be that way because the soul is not occupied in enlivening the body. No, it's not. When the neshama, the Abish that puts, the neshama is essentially a living entity. And when the, that neshama comes down into the body, the body goes alive automatically. The neshama is not working to impart energy to the body that will make it alive. What? It's like light. It's exactly like light. When the light of the neshama is shining, imagine, look at the neshama as beams of light. When the beams of light of the neshama come down on the body, the body goes alive. Yeah. And another proof, it will be understood that it's not hechreichi, it's not a must. But another thing you will see, it's also not hechreichi. So it's usually, it's an interesting thing. Usually we say like this. It, 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 it is, I know it's a little, a little, a little philosophical, but it's not, we're going we're gonna to get through it. Okay, nishkeferlach. Um, uh, Usually, we say like this. Oyer, light, which, which is just an emanation, usually we say, is not something that the mo'er is choosing to do. When a, whenever you have a, 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 a illumination of light, where, where we say it's light, it's usually automatic. Because that's what we say earlier, you're not occupied. So it's automatic. Meaning, 
when, when you have a bright entity, you have a light bulb, when you have something bright, it's bright. Because it's bright. Can the light bulb choose not to shine its light? If it's bright, its brightness is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna, is gonna to shine. You can't choose not to do it because it's, 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 because it's, because if we're saying they're rays. So usually we say like this, but Shefa, which is what? When you're giving intentionally, then you can choose, yeah or not. So the Chura, if we say that the soul is aliving the body in a manner of oyer, not in a manner of Shefa, which means because the soul is alive, it's light, and so its life is, is flowing from it into the body, it would seem to impart that whenever a soul is connected to a body, it must reveal itself to the body. Because remember, oyer can, doesn't have a choice not to shine. The sun doesn't have a choice not to shine its light. Because it's oyer. If it would be shefa, it would have a choice. But since it's oyer, it doesn't have a choice. So luchura, we should say the same thing with the, with the nefesh. If for whatever reason God put this nefesh next to the body, the body has to come alive. But he says it's not that way. He says, It's possible that there won't be a gilu. Um, when a when a when a human soul goes into a cat, there's a concept that way. One of the punishments that happened Chas v'Sholem is that a neshama can come back down into this world and enter into a animal. When that happens, it's called the Gilgal. Very painful. When that happens, the cat is a regular cat like any other cat. The bird is a regular bird like any other bird. It doesn't have any higher intelligence because it has a union. And it says the reason is. Because even though the human soul is there, the human soul is not, is not revealing itself in that, in that animal. So it's just trapped over there, but it's not being revealed. Oh, but he says, and even though, over there, there's no keli. It's, it, what? He's trying to, Rebbe's saying, that's a proof that the giloi is by, whenever it is alive, it's because it wants to. And what do you say? In a cat, the soul doesn't want to reveal itself. It says, what am I going to reveal myself in a cat? I'm not doing that. In a human, it wants to. So you see from here that when a soul is giving life to the body, it's doing so willfully. So you're asking a question. No, maybe whenever there is a soul next to a body, there are rays that are coming. It's just that the, 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 the cat doesn't have the sensors to be able to sense the human energy, it can only pick up cat energy. It can't pick up human energy. A more sophisticated answer to this question. Hagam she'en kelim, even though there's no kelim, if the giloi would have been hechreichi, which means it would have had to be, there should have been some kind of a revelation even if there's no kelim. What? I don't know. What does he mean by that? What is he saying? He's saying if we say that, um, uh, that, 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 that it's a must, that there should be, even when a human soul comes into a, into a cow, into a dog, into a cat, whatever it is, there should have been some revelation of that nefesh in this, in this thing, even if there's no kalim. How? If there's no kalim, how can it reveal itself? I'm not sure. V'yesh litzayir, but, but al kaponim. But really, setting this to the side, th- these two things seem to be a little bit contradictory. If we say that it is not hechrechi, 
Meaning to say it's not a must. It seems to say that that's shefa, that's not oil. But he says, V'yesh l'tzayr gilu yibaratzen ha-nefesh ba-ha-koychais. K'moi koyach ha-tava she-bi-yecholtoi la-halem e-k'moi avram avinu olav ha-shalem. There are certain, let me give an example. There are certain kochos ha-nefesh that are consistent with what a person is. Okay? For example. There are people who they have a very kind soul. Avram Avinu had a very, very kind soul. It's almost like his kindness didn't have to be activated. <clears throat> it's just there. He was Because he be'etzim was a kind being, his soul was emanating kindness, very powerful. <clears throat> For Avram Avinu to act in a gavuridig way, you can imagine that what? Required work. But for him, the natural flow was his kindness. Yet, you see that, 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 there, that it's, not, it's not, even though he's a kind person, it's not that he must be kind. It's possible for him to decide not to be kind. For example, when Avram had to throw out Yishmael from the house. As much as it, as, as it was going against him, he did it. So he, he held back his goodness. He, he controlled his goodness. Or when he had to take Yitzchak on the Akeda, he had to, he had to, he had to restrict his goodness, his kindness, right? So what do you see? So you see that the giluyim of the koiches anefesh. Yeah, but you can argue that's the koiches, not the etzem achayus. Etzem achayus, you might say, is hechrechi. Echrechi means it's etzamachayis means the essential. You can argue he's bringing a proof. He says you see that a person's kochos you can turn them on or shut them off. So and therefore he's saying the same is also with the essential aspect of, of life is also something that the nef, the nefesh has to want to live. But the, but obviously it's not in, it's not in the type of control that we have because a person can't control. Them, 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 without chas v'shalom doing an act of harming their body. You know, God forbid a person commits suicide, they did something to harm their body. But I'm not talking about that. A person can't say, you know what, I don't want to live and stop the flow of energy just without any act on the body. Can't do that. Yet, because it looks like we can't access such a deep level of ratzon to be able to control that, but essentially when the nefesh is enlivening the body, it, it, it willfully does that. It doesn't have to. But yet, even though it's willfully doing it, it's not occupied in doing it. See, that's, that's the difference. It's doing it willfully, but when it's doing it willfully, it's allowing the ray to go out. It's almost like a fire. Put it this way. Imagine you would have a fire who you would turn on the fire and put a pot in it and the pot is not getting hot. Because the fire is, is, is deciding not to, not to give off the heat. But hold it, heat comes automatically from fire. The fire is not, that's, that, but yet that's what it is. The nefesh is not working to give, to give life to the body. Because there is a nefesh in a body, there's automatically life in the body. Yet, he says, it's still willfully. There's an union of rotsun, it's not echrechi, and he proves it from a, so I don't know. In the koichos, he says, you can see that. The kochos and nefesh are definitely controlled by a person. A person can, as we said earlier, a person can be a very good person and decide right now I'm not being good. It's not like 
They have to. It's not like if you, if you came within two feet of Avram Avinu, you were going to be, you're going to experience a lot of kindness automatically. No, Avram could decide for whatever reason, no service to you today. Why? Like they have on the signs <laughs> all over. You know, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. You know, Avram could have said no. He never did, but he could have. Right? Uh, uh, we see, that even though you could... Yet, he says, you find such a thing that, and when it does operate, it operates without the koyaches. The klolas giloi koyachatoi v'shaloyadeyasaskus. The general, when a person is a good person, the general sense of, of, of wanting to do, I'm saying, I want to say a good person. When a person, I don't want to say the word good, good is not a good word for this. When a person is a kind person, Talking about kindness, because you can be good and be and not be kind, be disciplined. Okay, but when a person is a kind person, the general kindness is something that they don't have to generate it willfully. They're always bubbling with kindness. Now, to do something specific kind, that requires a ready premeditation of how they're going to activate that kindness and how they're going to do it. So they're already the actual activating it in the actual is more of a more of a premeditated element, but the flow itself is Yet even that a person can shut down and say, "I'm not kind now. I don't feel any kindness." So you see this interesting uh, uh, kind of a a something that doesn't make any sense. I don't have an explanation for it. That you can see that sometimes you have a aura. It's a ray but a ray that comes with ratzon. Not like usually, the rule generally is that every ha'ara, a ray comes b'derech hechrech, in a must. And a shefa comes with ratzon. You have, you have free choice. You have, I'm saying you have choice. But, it, but there is a combination, there is this middle thing of being able to have a, a, um, a, a ha'ara, which is a ray, but yet... A person can control it. Mashekin protet of Ella sha nefesh mugder, mashekin ashemesh enemu. Ah, the difference is the reason why the sun doesn't have any control over it because the sun is totally not um, uh, um, defined by the light that's coming out from it. But the nefesh is mugder. Again, I'm not exactly sure how to explain that. Because I don't understand it that way. So it comes out of this. The oir rupchenes ha'ara. That oir is a ray. She'ein boy me'etzem klau. But the bottom line is that light doesn't have anything of the essence. Now the same is true in the oir ain't soif. That's why we can't call the Oirein Sof if it would have, that it doesn't have any beginning, because only God doesn't have a beginning. And if the Oir would have of the essence of God, of the substance of Hashem, then we can call the Oir also doesn't have a beginning. But since the Oir is only like a reflection, an outer thing, that does have a beginning. Because it's not the essence. Once we've just established that the Oirin Soif is not the essence, now we'll understand 
how it is utterly insignificant to the essence. Since it's not of the essence, and it's only a reflection, so then what? It, it's utterly meaningless to the essence. Ha'ara, it's only a ray, versus etzem, the essence. Yesh, the ayin. The oil is called ayin, nothing, and the essence is called yesh, true substance. Nitkain zach, he says in Yiddish. It, it's not a thing, it's nothing. The Yuvim Biyoiser, we'll understand even more. Ech she'ein aroich oirin soif, lagaba atzmos, and we'll understand better how the oirin soif doesn't have any value, any, 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 any significance to the essence. Alpima shakaz de ramascha lahavan inyanat simtsum, the lail el of the sukkis, tafkov samach gimel, besidr nasa, besafer, I don't know what he means, keeps putting besamach. Lail of the sukkis, nasa adam, umasha shaykh lazeb, besafer. I don't know what the Samach is here. Anyways, you'll look over there, you'll get a better explanation of this idea. Good, very good. So now we need to understand the difference. If we're saying that the Oirin Soif is already what? Insignificant to God and it's only... So how is it different between the Oirin Soif and Atzilus? Atzilus is already much further. And God is emanating Atzilus. Shugamkein is galus, and, and we're saying on Atzilus that Atzilus is also only a ray. Is galus ha'odama oirin soif ha'matzel. It's only a ray of the oirin soif, the emanator. In a ikar inyan, so the answer, what's the difference? In a ikar inyan oirin soif will lift me The main idea of oirin soif is the oir as is. Even though it's an oir, it's a reflection, but it's a reflection of what truly is. A reflection, a reflection of the essence. Because it's before the tzimtzum, before God is trying to uh, uh, contract and limit it. He's allowing it to be as is. The ikr inyan atzilus, and the main idea of atzilus is la'achar atzimtzum, after the tzimtzum. Va'achilik, and the difference, the or shalifne atzimtzum, the light that's before the tzimtzum, who or kloli, is a very general light. Va'hagilui meneyu bey, hakol kolu batzimusoy. And the, the revelation that's coming from it, is all included in the essence of God. It's a very, meaning general, because it's a reflection of the Abishter himself. So it, it's general, meaning it, 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 it's the source to be able to have everything. But it's still in a state where it's still like absorbed in him. Vatsilus, and we're talking about Vatsilus and Oireis Pratim. Vatsilus is already specific lights. Vishen is Gala, that reveal itself, Chutzla Etzem And they reveal themselves outside, so to speak, of God. It's already something specific, because in Atzilus there's Chachma, there's Chesed, Okamoy. And it gives the example from one the, where we find the, in the Torah the word Atzilus. The time where we find that the, the Torah, the word Atzilus, is when Moshe Rabbeinu gives of his light to the 70 Zekenim. Kamoy Atzilus, the spirit of Moshe that was now put up. When Moshe Rabbeinu complained that he can't do it alone, and God says, I'll give you 70 Zekenim and they'll help you lead the people. So it says, I will separate from your spirit and put it on, on, on the Zekenim. Just like in that story. These, this emanation wasn't in Moshe Rabbeinu. It left Moshe Rabbeinu and went into them. It's as if they were Nevi'im. And you didn't even see how Moshe's, Moshe's energy is now, Moshe's zapping them. You don't see that. It came from Moshe. But once it went, it came from Moshe. It's like you light one lamp from something else. Once you take the fire away, it's a separate fire. 
So the fire that was in Moshe left Moshe and went outside of him. So the idea of Atsilos, it's almost like the energy of God that's leaving the essence and going outside. And the idea is as follows. Before the world was created, which means before the Tzimtzum, the name of God and Him were one. The name of God, that's the Oyrin Tzav. Who Atzmus, He is the essence. Ushmoi, and His name is Oyrin Tzav. Upirish Bovad, what does it mean alone? Kamosha Kalobatzmusa means it's absorbed. Alone means it's like light that's still in, its, in, in the source. He is the only one, the light is included in Him. Over there, the light is completely nullified. It doesn't make it to do out of itself because it's totally nullified in its source. Like the ray of the sun, while it's in the sun, you can't even call it a ray. The ray of the sun only becomes a ray when it leaves the sun. Like it says in time. But once it's been emanated and revealed, now it's already an entity, it's something, because it went out of its source. And it's called something from nothing. So this explains the difference between Atsilus and Oren Soif from the level of Bittl. That in the Oren Soif, prior to Atsilus is in a state of absolute bittel because it's still in its source. It notices its source, so it's nullified to its source completely. And in Atsilus, it becomes a little bit of a yesh. It becomes already an a entity because it left its source. Fine. In the same, we'll also understand the essential quality. While it was included in its essence before it was drawn, it's, it's, it's in quality when it's in the essence and it hasn't been drawn it's not at all in the state meaning the same light when it's still in its source and when it leaves and it comes out and it reveals itself it's, it's, it's almost as if it's a complete different entity and he gives an example from fire so we know when we have a fire we're experiencing the expression of fire down here. The essence of fire is dark. And it's, it's a gas. It's some kind of a thing. And it's absolutely dark. No fire. So it's interesting. When you're drawing that fire down here, it becomes an existence of fire. It becomes an entity of fire. In its source, it's the same substance. But over there, it's in its essence. And therefore... It says, And in its source, it's dark. The main quality of fire is that it's light. But, But the, the main quality, As it is in its source, It's a very, very fine um, type of ear, some kind of gas. Spiritual, you can't even see it. But when it comes down below, it descends. It becomes something, meaning it, when fire is in its source, it transcends the senses. You can't see it, you can't touch it. It's in a, it's in a very spiritual state. When you grab it and you bring it down here through creating a fire, 
you're like taking that undefinable energy and you're bringing it down. So it looks like you created a fire. Wow. But in truth, if you, if you talk to the fire, the fire is miserable. Because you just now did what to it? You just now defined it and limited it. It would rather go back being its private, higher, more spiritual self of that gas that's not yet defined. I'm saying, obviously fire is not conscious, but that's the idea behind it. That's why it can shine, because you can see it. The truth is, you, if, from the fire's perspective, you can't even call him fire when he's down here below. You can't even call him light. To the fire, he just became darked, darkened. Put it this way, the truth of fire is it's much, much brighter than what we can see. But it's a type of brightness that our eyes can't see. But when it comes down into a fire, then, then, our, then it's physical, and then it's this is its descent. The true quality of fire is in its elementary element. And the fire down here is considered dark towards it. Why is it called light? Because we, it's illuminating us. It's illuminating the lamp. It's illuminating the wick. On its own, when you create a fire, you're actually creating darkness to the fire. Another example. He says, when we have an epiphany, when we have an idea, when our, when our power of intellect emerges in our mind, when we're learning something and suddenly, boom, we have, an, we have a flash. That seichel, that koach, when we just activated it into our mind, wow, this is such brilliance. Think about the koach that just came into your head while it was still in the soul itself was so much more powerful than when it came down into your physical brain to illuminate the brain. It has to be Moser Nefesh itself in a sense. It has to lower itself down to become luminous in the mind. In its essence of the soul, it's so, it's so much more powerful than, a, than an idea that can come into a human physical brain. It's a joke. The same is also understood. The oirin seif shalifnei atzimtzum. The oirin seif before the tzimtzum. Einoi b'metzias oir. It doesn't. It's not a metzias of light. Sha'achar atzimtzum klal. It's not at all the same in any type of category of light like after the tzimtzum. Om nam shamu amitis milas oir. That's when it's truly light. But not in a way. It's not. Not in a substantial state. It, it's in a essential state. True light. But then as it reveals itself after the tzimtzum, it's in a great descent. It's called dark to its source. As it says, Kesar Elyon. Kesar Elyon is the first level of light after the tzimtzum. Even though Kesar is such a brilliant light, it's considered dark compared to the cause of all causes, to, the, to, to before the tzimtzum. It's called oil to the, to the worlds. It illuminates them. Not in his essence. So all this is telling you that what? So this is all explaining the difference between the oirein tzayif and the oirein of atzilus. Oidzois. The lifnei atzimtzum gilui klali. 
Before the tzimtzum, it was, it's a general revelation. And afterwards, it becomes specified. All the, all the features come out. The inyan who. The hine behechrech, we have to say. Because one can argue and say, what do you mean it's a, it's, it's a ge- general? In the Oren Saif, there's only Oren Saif. There's no chesed gavura. No. Behechrech sheyesh midois vesfiroiz kamba Oren Saif. We have to say that in the Oren Saif, there are midois and there are sfiroiz. Even before the Tzimtzum. They're in a state of total unification. You know what we learned about this? When we learned the Mitla Rebbe's Mimer a few months ago. Uh, I forgot the Mimer. What was the Mimer beginning with? We learned about the, 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 the Sphirois as they are in the Oren Saif Shalifnei HaTzimtzum. We discussed it over there. Keeps on putting the samach. I don't know what that is. and what's the tzimtzum? The tzimtzum, what does the tzimtzum do? It allows the individual, whatever you might call, potentials of these spheroids that are embedded and one that is still that are all making all not embedded, but all included in the orange Saif, each one of them to shine on their own. Come out. The whole symptom godl, and that's a very great symptom. The oid, shebeze yardam emohusa, kemoishahu behiskalalus. Two things. Number one, the fact that it's becoming individualized, that's already a very big yurida descent. Another thing, it goes down from its substance, from, from, from the way when it was behiskalus, shebehechrushu boifanachalagamra. When it's all behiskalus, it must be in a different way. As it's discussed over there. In other places, it explains that even in the Oren Seif, before the Tzimtzum, there is the essence and the expansion. Okay. And another thing is, another thing is, not only are they in a higher level when they're all unified, when they're in a state of iskalalus, but in addition to that, everything when it's still unified with others has an addition to itself being in a higher state. There is, a higher, there is a higher light that dwells where there is a scholarless. For example, there, in, in the, what he's saying is like this, in the Oren Saif there is all the ten spheres already. But they're all unified. And when they're in a state of absolute oneness over there, they're much higher than when they become differentiated. But in addition to that, anything that is unified has even a higher energy presiding over that unification. So therefore, included in the in the Oren Saif, because they're in a state of Hiskalalus, there is this dwelling of something that's higher than the Hiskalalus that's in the Oren Saif. And the kud of it. The oid dikashem klunim yeshbem or klolim ashulamailam amuhusa spheris atzman. The Torah we need to understand ma'hu p'chinas oira kloli. The Rebbe Shab says, what is that? Fashem yizbarach yar ain, I should illuminate my eyes. What is this or kloli? But once the individual lights come out, 
once something has been revealed, oid ein boimo or klali, it doesn't have any more the or klali. Like it's explained many times in Hasidus that when you take, for example, when you have ten Jews together, in addition to the ten Jews that you have, there's an extra light that comes down because there are ten. So when 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 each one goes home, so then they don't have any of that. That tenth, that energy that was there when when they were together. That's only there when they're together. So he's saying, when the oil rays go down in Atzilus, there's nothing, they don't have any more of that or Kloli. Only a trace, because it was once there. Just like a person has a trace from the minion when he leaves the minion too, but that's because there is because it was because he experienced the minion, therefore it's 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 it, it leaves a mark on his neshama. Okay. It's like when you take, he gives another example, like you take a word, baruch. So you have a beiz and a resh and a vav and a chaf. And we know that a beiz is a certain energy, a resh is another energy, a vav is another energy, and a chaf is another energy. When you bring these words, these letters together, in addition to the, the beiz, the vav, the resh and the chaf, you have the word baruch, which means blessed. It's a separate thing that only comes when the four letters are together. It's not there on the individual. It's not that they all have a quarter of it. When it's true, they all have a quarter, but when they come together, there's something much bigger that dwells upon them, and that's it. Comes out that what's Atsilas? Earlier we spoke how oil, even its most pristine state, is only oil, it's not essence. Now we're learning that what? That in Atsilas it's much lower because. At least the Oyrein Saif in its original form is at least still included in the essence. It's not the essence, but it's included in the essence. When the Oyrein Saif goes down in Atzilus, for each, that's a Yerida, that's a big descent. It's a descent in the light. And this is the reason why all of existence is an account. This is where he answers the question. Once we realize how insignificant you become, the more you become as somebody. Understand? First of all, it starts off in being nothing. It's first at the very, the whole energy of creation at its very, very beginning is only a oil. It's not a, it's not a shefa. It doesn't have any of the substance. Secondly, once Hashem emanated it through a tzimtzum, it's really nothing. Now we'll understand why all the oil is in a constant state of ratzoi, because it can't stand being a somebody. That's the reason of the ratzoi in the oil, because it's in a state of descent. So it wants to go up, to be absorbed in its source. And he says, so Atzilus is for sure in a state of ratzoi, but even the oil in Saif is also unhappy that it doesn't have any essence. Over there, there's also a ratzai. It doesn't want to con- con- continue going down because the oirin soif is the source for atzilus. It doesn't want to go down to emanate atzilus light. It rather would like to cozy up into the essence and not and, and not emerge outward. We can say because this doesn't have any comparison to the essence of God canal. because of that, that's why it wants to be absorbed in its source. 
The general giloy who pchinas yerida lagaba atzmos. It's in a state of descent to the essence. Shere ein aroich. Yeah, it's 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 what does it mean? It's ein aroich to the essence that the essence carries the revelations. Once the revelations are are nothing and compared to. Because really the essence is the source of the revelations. But when the essence is the source of the revelation, there's such a concept called the essence carrying the revelations. It's, it's only essence. It's garnished. Yeah. So now it feels insignificant to that. So now this avod of ratzoi, of light wanting to return into its source, that's Yitzchak's energy. Avram is light emanating from its source, descending downward. From from Atzmos to the Oirin Saif, from Oirin Saif to what? To Atzilus. All the descending light. Yitzchak is a retracting light. It's going back up to its source. This will understand Here we see a Gavaldi Indian. It says in regards to the Midah of Gavura. It says in the Pasuk, Hain Biktoishav Lo Yamin. We say, you keep us saying it in Yom Kippur. Yom Shoshana, Yom Kippur, and Davani, we say, Hashem doesn't even put faith, doesn't put um, amuna, trust, or in His, in his holy ones. And Ubemalachav, and his malachim, Yasim Tahala, he finds fault. Yasim Tahala, he finds inconsistencies. And then it says, Shamayim. Vishamayim loizaku be'enov. And heavens are not clear, are not Heavens that are so crystal clean, they're not clean enough in his eyes. And Ba'avadav, and it says, it also criticizes his servants. That means there's a certain mode in God that you can never, ever satisfy him. He will criticize every single thing will find fault. That's a Midas HaGavura on that side. Everything, no matter how good you perform, no matter how excellent it was, no matter how perfect it was, no matter how refined it was, no matter how selfless it was, from the ultimate Midas Agvura, he can find in the biggest MS, he can find the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest kernel of Shekhar, of lie. It's all imperfect. And that's from the Yitzchak mode. Why does Yitzchak tremble in awe in front of God? Because Yitzchak senses this, this midah of the Abishter, and Yitzchak feels that he's never, never satisfied. So Yitzchak feels, he's terrified, because he's never, he can never, two things, Yitzchak clop at the Abishter is that way. Yitzchak feels like he's a nobody. But when people come to Yitzchak and try to show off how, what a big lamdan he is, or what a big chassid he is, or what a big, and what, how good he learned to davened, Yitzchak took one look, and the guy went running, <laughs> Why? Because he burned, he burned holes in anything he looked at. Because he can show how this, how everything is not emes. Kedoshim, who are the kedoshim? Yeshloim are oiv de Hashem b'moyach v'leiv. Kedoshim, holy ones, are those who serve God with the mind and with their heart. Tzadikim, who their minds and their heart are really serving God. Shehem b'madreges aruchniyim kedoshim u'muvdalim. They're very holy. Why they're called Kedoshim. So 
Kedoshav are people who are truly holy because their mind and their heart are filled with holiness. What are Avadav? Avadav are people, servants, they're not called holy. Because essentially their mind and their heart do not appreciate godliness. But they're Avadim. They surrender themselves to do the Abish's will, even if their mind and their heart doesn't agree with it. But they're true Avadim, so they have Kabbalah's oil Malchus Shemayim perfectly. They do whatever God tells them to do. Fine. What? So, but we say that the Kedoshim, the Abishter, he can find fault in them. Avadim, he can dismiss them. Shemayim, what Shemayim? And Oiroistatsilus. Shamayim doesn't only mean our heaven. Shamayim means the luminaries of Atsilus. The lights, not even the Caleb. The lights of Atsilus. To, to Atsimus, to the Abishter himself, even the lights of Atsilus are considered murky. They're not saku, they're not pure. Ulachura, the Rebbe asks a question. How is it possible that such perfect avoida is not zaku, is not, is not accepted, it's not zaku, it's not clean in his eyes? What's the midah of gevura? The midah of gevura is that he rises within himself. He, he, he's, he's rising within himself to a source. Visham, and in the, 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 the deeper he goes into himself, in Atzmos, what did we say earlier? The Oirois, the lights, are utterly insignificant compared to Atzmos. The lights are not. So even the godly emanations, not Taifas Makim Klau. They're considered dark. And therefore, Gama avoid the nishmas Yisrael. It's like it's like in a person that self criticizes himself. No matter how it's a self it's a perfectionist. Has, no matter how good he does, he's always dissatisfied. Why? Because he's in touch with his essence. Meaning, it can be in a sick way too. But 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 the point is, he's he's, he's in touch with a a. Where, 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 whatever he projects, see, you have any, for example, a chazan, he has the essential union of chazanis, the, the essence of it. He's a chazan. But then there is the projection of it. He did a shtickle. He got up for the yamet. And he leaves. He's not happy. Why is he not happy? Because compared to the essence of the chazanis, as good as this performance was, it was only a ha'ara, it was a ray of it, and it was never good enough. So the artist can put the gavaldic art but it's only a ray, and, and every ray is faulty. It's, it's not, he feels that the oomph, it's not really, I'm such a good artist that this artist doesn't even do that. So it's not that, even the Abishter, even the Oirei Savatzilis, insignificant in his eyes. Zalozet. When Memela comes out, Gama Avoida the Nishmas Yisrael, also the Avoida of Nishamas, Umalachem and even angels. The legabe hagili oirosem teisimak. On the level of lights, on the level of the gili or that God emanated, the avoid of a tzaddik is gavaldik. This tzaddik, he davens, he learns gavald. This one does chesed, unbelievable. This one, it's all gavaldik. Only to what? To the level of God's projections. 
And even to the Oren Saif, it's possible that it has, it has value. On the level of the Oren Saif, when the Oren Saif is already Metzamtzim contracts himself. But when the Oren Saif is in a state of Aliyah, back into himself, that anything that can be done, no matter how perfect, that's why I was telling you before stories of Tzadikim, that no matter how high and deep and perfect there, there was always, they always felt epimious that their that their service is is that they they're completely worthless in front of the Abishta. And even when they do perfect avoida, who kesheker nechshav, it's like a lie. Rabbi Lamelech of Luzensk, a tzaddik like him, who's a tzaddik like Rabbi Lamelech? Rabbi Lamelech used to say, Fadir Mailech, Mailech, Fadir at Medafa Machananaya Gehenim. He said, For you, Melech, they're going to have to make a new Gehenim. Why? Because all the Gehenims they have until now are not fitting, will not do justice for the type of Gehenim that you need for your, for who you were. Imagine. And he wasn't bluffing, Chas Vashal. He wasn't, he taka believed that way. Because he was in touch. He sensed Oirin Saif. He understand, he sensed what it is, and he realized how faulty his avoida is. And he taka believed that way. He used to sit amongst the bugs. He used to do a lot of mortifications. He used to sit amongst the bugs to hurt his body. And after pointing, the bugs ate everything already. He had nothing, there was no. He used to say, look, Mylech, look how despicable you are. That even the bugs don't like you anymore. They didn't even have nothing. They, 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 they go away from you. Imagine. So, but, they, but, but, but you're talking about in a deep way. Garnished. What am I? What am I? Like when you have a, sometimes you have a teacher and a student. You have a teacher and a student. And the teacher teaches something to the student. And the student comes, uh, uh, comes back and he gives it over. And the teacher listens and, yeah. Mm-hmm. He can sense that the student, he got it, but yeah. It's not, uh, he feels he only got it on his level. He didn't, yeah. he realizes that he's giving it over, but he's not giving it over with, with the whole umkus. So he makes he learns it again, he comes back again, and this time it's much better than the ones before. But still, it's not perfect. Even when the makabal gets the deepest of it, he thinks he understood it, like we like we thought we understood this mimer. Right? The truth is that which the teacher revealed to him, the student Taka knows. But the teacher sees a certain depth in it that the teacher didn't reveal to him. Because whatever you can reveal is like <laughs> something that the teacher can see. It's still filled with mistakes, with kushis. And if the student would understand it completely, then all, would really get it, then all these toys and mistakes and kashas wouldn't be shy. Finally, if you it's not completely true. It's like the teacher knows it. The truth is the way the teacher knows it. And that's where it's really clean. 
Bechein Avoyta Tama, so similar to it as a teacher and a student, you can have the Avoyta of a Tzaddik, even if it's a perfect Avoyta, who Kesheker, it's like a lie. Vegam Kechet, it's like a sin. Kemoshel HaMelech Pesnasusoy, it's like when a king is being exalted, the Ramaz Chalanam. Vaeitzahu, so what happens then? When you realize that your whole avoida, when you realize that your whole avoida is, is worthless, so what do you do? So then you cry and you admit that you're worthless. Vahaviduyim, so the eitzah is the haviduyim. That's where vidui comes. That's where, when does God act in this? When is Hashem in that state of exalting Himself very deep in Himself and then on Rosh Hashanah, because Hashem rises to his very, very exaltedness. What do we do immediately right after Rosh Hashanah? We start Ashamdu, Bagadu, Gazamdu. We start putting ourselves down. We start mamish putting ourselves down. I did this and I did that and I did this and I'm low and I'm in it. Why? Because Dafka, you see, when the, when the recipient recognizes it, that it's like when a teacher teaches a student and the student thinks he gets it and he comes back and he says it to the teacher and the teacher says, but when the student comes crying and the teacher says, tell me what you says, and he says, yeah, he says, no, I want to hear it. He says, no, I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I feel. I know it superficially. I don't really get it. So from the sobbing of the student, the teacher has Rahmanas in him and he will give it to him again. He will give it to him deeper. Whatever. So he says, If someone is moide, he admits and he, and he leaves go of the sin, maybe have Rahmanas in him. The Rachamim Goyrim Kirov. Once I have Rachamim, Mercy, we spoke earlier, not chesed, mercy. That causes kiruv. The yerida sa'atzmos, the essence descends. K'mon shekosov deramasko b'yoyim ha'shmini atzeres, reish no na'alf. V'sham derachamim u'bemiroyim b'yoyser. Rachamim is a quality that only people that are in a high stature have rachamim. People that are in an exalted feel, feel compassionate for people that are low. A very exalted king, feels a lot of compassion. The more exalted someone is, especially when it's, we're dealing with this, this essential hisnasis. And who do you have mercy on? Someone who's very, very low. But only when the person who's low recognizes how pathetic he is. When he says Hashem, when tzaddikim are literally shuffle in their eyes, this draws the rachmim the descent of the essence dafka. The Ebrish that lowers himself down to take pleasure in our service, even though it essentially it's meaningless, because the Ebershta has compassion in us and he wants to give us a chance to connect to him. So therefore, he takes delight and pleasure in our avoda. But it's only first if there is a certain frustration and an understanding how worthless it was what we created. The Nimtza comes out, the reason why Atzmus, the essence, descends is because on the recipient end there is shiftless, there's lowliness, the Sibas are shiftless, but why do you feel low? Here's the thing. 
Why does, the, why does the one that's high lower himself down? Because you're low and he feels mercy on you. But why do you feel low? You feel low because the mashpia is in a state of exaltedness. If the mashpia would be in a state of smiling, oh yeah, Tatala, you got it, you know, you're, oh yeah, beautiful, you did such a wonderful job, then he's taking away from the student the true opportunity for really connecting to him. Because the fact that he's being so nice to him, then yeah, 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 so the student is happy with what he did. And the, and the teacher realizes that it's not really, really real, it's not really deep, so there's no real, 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 real connection. But when the teacher acts in a very, very criticizing way, and he criticizes the student again and again and again, till the student breaks down and, and, and he cries and says, ah, Kenish, then the teacher has mercy on him and helps him out. Or he takes real interest and says, you know, it's pretty good what you're doing. But it comes from the what? It comes from his exaltedness causes the fall by the student. The Sibas Ashiflis who asnasis is the asnasis of the teacher. When the teacher is contracting himself and not being aloof, but quite on the contrary, being drawn to the student. You read the Vashpal in a level of going down. Then they feel very close. They don't feel very low. When he's in a state of Aliyah. He's in a state of exaltedness. Then they feel so low. And in their lowliness, so they cause the Yeridas Atmos to have Tainuk Bavidasam in their cute Avoida, which might be considered cute now because he realizes how pathetic and how nebuchadnezzar they are. That's why the ultimate laughter and geschmack that the Eberster has from us. How is it possible that we give God the light? How is it possible? The answer is only through our rachamim. Only because God has mercy on us and He decides to lower Himself down and to play with us. And to get the light from us. But how do we get that rachamim? It comes dafka from Yitzchak's gvuris. Only this that this, this deep pleasure, Yitzchak is that energy of his nasus, of, of exaltedness. Because the initial pleasure that's drawn in the revelation of lights, the initial pleasure, there is a pleasure in Avram as well. There is a pleasure in emanation of lights where the Abish are showing closeness. But it's an external pleasure. It's like the pleasure that God has from the six days of creation. It's a pleasure. He projected. There's no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no tshuva. There's no brokenheartedness. It's just a projection of the Abishter. The gamma tainuk ba'avoida the nishmas yisrael, and even the pleasure the Abishter has of the avoid of yidden, that comes from above, initially from matan Torah, when the Abishter decides to take pleasure, who It's only a ray of him. And even this ray, as we spoke earlier, the oir ain't saif, but now it has to come down in a level of atzilus. It's a yerida, it's a descent. When God hides his face. For example, the golos. And Hashem pretends as if he's not interested. And he pretends and he hides and he hides, and then we suddenly get so heartbroken. But why, why, why is he not paying attention to us? Why are we, 
Why is he giving us a cold shoulder? Why is he so removed? And that causes us to feel utterly insignificant and heartbroken. When there is a broken heart, that's when the Ebishter really comes down. That's why sometimes, you know, you're doing so well in your Avo. This is a very big secret. Sometimes you're doing so well, you're learning, you're davening, you're, you're, and suddenly, trach, you go falling down all the stairs. You end up tzetzet and tzbrach, and you end up doing something so stupid, or so whatever, and you're suddenly down on the pits. And you wonder, God, you why? Sometimes that's what it needs. Because you're feeling so, you're feeling so proud of yourself. You know, the Malshemtev gives a marshal, the Valdik. The Malshemtev says a marshal that there is a person who's right, who's, he's, he's in a wagon. And he fell asleep on the wagon. And he didn't realize that the wagon was climbing a mountain. And he went up high, high, high. The wagon went all the way up in the mountain. But then when, you know, on the mountain, if you go, let's say, by Big Bear, a running springs big. So first you go up, 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 up. But then once you get to the top, you're actually going, you're not going up anymore because you just, and you can go, you can go a while, you know, I don't know if you ever go to Lake Arrowhead, that whole area over there. You're going in a very flat area. It doesn't, and especially if it's not next to a cliff, you might not even know you're on a mountain. Until you come down on the other side, you start going down, then you realize how high you are. So the Bolshemtiv says that most people don't realize how haughty they are. Because they're born with haughtiness. So you're already born on top of a mountain. See, the chapsach garnish. The time you became conscious of yourself, you're so haughty already. You don't chapsach. Until you start lowering yourself down, until you really lower, lower, then, then you realize, ah, I was taka balgaim. In other words, it's such a subconscious pride that people have. That's just like, so, you know, chas v'shalom, a person has the sense of, of accomplishment and doing and maching and doing and. So your avoid is great, but to the Abishter himself, so chas v'shalom, Yerida has to come. And that a person falls down. And he, then he realizes how, and then he starts making a recognition and an understanding that even when he was serving, he was, it, was, it was not pure. And in that bro- heartbrokenness, then the Abishter can talk and come down. And, and this is a Seder. Yeah, this is the Indian. Um, that causes the person to feel low. Now, when you're heartbroken and you have and the now is the first day after you're in the pits and you're crying, that's when the Abishta has mercy taka on you. And not only mercy, he has pleasure of your avoidant. So you think that this is your lowest moment, this is your highest moment in your life. Lev nishbav nitkel lekim leisifsa a broken heart the Eibushter that comes from Yitzchak. Vezaudul asid lava yoyimru leYitzchak dafke. We're going to say to all the Yitzchak moments. We're going to say dafke to the avoid of Yitzchak. Yatavino, you're our father. Ato dafke because Yitzchak is the esnasos when the Eibushter is in a state of esnasos. Vezaudul and this is the meaning. He began the mimer by asking a question. What does it mean? VeYitzchak ba Yitzchak comes. Mi boy be'er l'chayroi. Yitzchak came from coming to the, to the well where they saw the malach, l'chayroi. It should have said, Yitzchak came from the well. It says that he went to get Hagar, right? It says he went to get Hagar for Avram. Yitzchak. When Rivka was coming back, Yitzchak was coming back from getting Hagar, bringing Hagar back. So, the, so it should have said, Yitzchak ba, Yitzchak came. From the be'er of lach. What does it mean? Yitzchak ba mi boy be'er lachayroi. Yitzchak comes from to come. So he's explaining like this: the Yitzchak ba mi boy be'er pidish mehechen 
Where is Yitzchak coming? Where is the laughter of Mashiach coming from? Where is the laughter of La'asad coming from? Miboy be'er lachai, from where a well comes. How does a well have such delicious water? Dafka through the dirt. From how the be'er ma'im chayim comes. Da'ayinu mena offer dafka from the earth. The ma'im chayim hu atzmus ain't safe baruch. When you say living water, that's the essence of God. How do you get the living waters? How do you get the bear? How do you get such something so essential, so deep? Not the external water. Deep mayim chayim. Kamoshikasim makor chayim. Makor mayim chayim. The Abish is makor mayim chayim. Kamoshikasim Hashem alakim emes walakim chayim. That's called chayim. The pchenes amitas atzmusai. That's the essence of the Abish essence. Who pchenes chayim? That's the real life. And in order to draw the essence of the Ein Soif, My soul is like dirt. When someone feels utterly broken. And That's why Chassidim and Bala Aveda always used to begin their avoid in the beginning of the day. With Tikkun Chatzois. And they used to do a serious Cheshben HaNefesh. They used to cry on the wreck of how lowly they are. And after that, they can begin. That's why I began the beginning, the argument between Ramelech and Rebzusha. Like, when do you have a higher, a higher appreciation of the Eibishter? If you first have your own shiftless, and then you have, and then you come to understand God, or do you first contemplate God's greatness so you can come to your shiftless? And the emphasis it works both ways. But ultimately, if you're coming to the Abishta's greatness through your lowliness, you're going to touch a much deeper level of God's greatness than if you're coming to God's to know God's greatness when you're feeling like filled with your stomach and so on and so forth. And Gansen this, then you're not you're only touching the Chitzainias, you're not getting the Pnikas. For Yitzchak Ba, when does Yitzchak come? The Pchenasatzmi, this great essential pleasure. Ba comes Miboir Be'er. Mesibas bias ha'be'er, from where the be'er comes. Shua afar, from the earth, p'chenashiflis, which is the lowest. V'zeu shah be'er, and that's why the be'er was called lechai. Who's chai? Simply over there in the, in the simple meaning, it means where, where Hagar saw a malach. But the real meaning of chai is the essence, atzmus himself. Nikra lechai ro'i, where you can see atzmus. Lechai u'p'chenas chai, v'loi b'chayim. Not chayim, chayit in essence. Pchenes pnimi is atik, the innermost of atik yomen, which is the shor shaychulu. The root of that is an atzmos himself. Kamoshikasa makamacha. Upchenesu yeh bepchenes ria vehizgalos, and this chay roi is going to be. We can be able to see it. Mamish benishmas yisrael. We're going to be able to see it. Kamoshikasa ki ayin be ayin yiru. Ksev nigla kvoid Hashem vero, but. The way we get to such giloi is dafka when we go through first hell and vehester. And that's what Golos does. And that's what all the concealments and all the hardships. So that in the end, that will bring us to the essence of the Ebishter. I'm so tired, but okay. It's... What is a shiftless? Chassidus deals with that too. It deals with the the, the, the Indian of a of a leiv nishba v'nitkin. 
same time, there has to be a kavim on both sides. Hey. <sighs>